Hey podcast, welcome back to another episode. Now today I'm going to be talking all about recovery. So I'm going to be going through three really important building blocks for your recovery. Because at the end of the day, you can put, your, put the work in on the bike, you can put the work in with your training, and you must do that. You need to do that to get your results. But ultimately, if you don't recover from all that hard work, you're not going to see the results from it. It's one thing I'll see really often when people train really hard, they really put the work in, and then they feel like they're just tired on the trails and they're not getting anywhere. They'll often think they need to push harder and they need to work harder to get the results, but actually, it's often the exact opposite, and sometimes they just need a little bit of time off, they need to work on the recovery. So I'm going to talk about the three building blocks of recovery in this episode, and as you've probably guessed, this week's episode is where I'm on my Bill Todd just talking to you, so I hope it brings you some value. All right, so the first most important block of recovery and one of the most important things for recovering from all of your workouts, from all of your rides, is your sleep. Now, if you're not getting good quality sleep, you will not be maximizing your recovery as much as you can. Now, some people watching this can think, ah, yeah, I could sleep a bit better. That's quite easy to implement. Other people may have babies, kids, jobs that mean that you've got to work through the night. So it's a little bit harder for that. So what I want to do is I want to share some tips here that will help you sleep better. But before I do that, let's talk about why it is actually so important. So sleep is actually the time when your body rebuilds all of the damage that you've done. So when you go into the gym, when you train, when you ride, you break down your body, you break down your muscles, you really essentially damage your body, but in a repairable way so that it can come back stronger. Now, when you're sleeping, that's when that whole recovery process, that whole repairing and rebuilding process actually happens. So if you're absolutely hammering your training, you're hammering your riding, but then you're only getting four, five hours sleep a night, you're not going to be getting the best results because you simply will not be recovering properly. You will not be rebuilding properly from all of the work that you're putting in. It's really, really important that you get that sleep in so that you can rebuild. So let's have a chat about how much sleep you should actually be getting. So ideally, you want to be getting somewhere between six to eight hours of good quality sleep per night. Me personally, I find I need about eight hours. Now, for me, I don't get that through the week. I find that I get about seven-ish hours, seven to seven and a half hours sleep through the week. And then on Saturday and Sunday morning, I have a bit of a lie-in and then I'll catch up and I'll catch up on that sleep debt so that I feel kind of like back to base. Now, that's for me. At the minute, don't have any kids, so they're not keeping me up at night and, you know, I can run my own schedule if you like. Now, if you're getting way less than that six to eight, so if you're thinking I'm getting four or five hours of sleep, it's really, really important to try to prioritize it as best as you can. Now, I understand that that isn't always possible, but hopefully there are some ways that you can improve the length of time that you sleep for. There are some things you can do. It might be, you know, we're not watching Netflix in an evening or <laughs> we're all guilty of it. I know I can certainly do this. You'll set an alarm for the morning that's half an hour before the time you actually need to get up and then you hit snooze over and over and over and over again that's a really easy way to get that extra bit of time I think as well setting a bedtime so it sounds like something that you just have for children but if you have a rough time that you head to bed and you go to sleep that really helps for me and Sophie that's roughly 10 p.m 
we're not like to the minute with it, but ideally we try to be lights off for 10 p.m. Sometimes we go a little bit beyond that. If we're absolutely knackered, we may go a little bit before that, but ultimately we have that target of 10 p.m. The other thing that can help with this as well is having the same time that you wake up every day. So the reason that that's important is that you've got something called your circadian rhythm. Now that's essentially when your body wakes up and gives you loads of energy and when your body feels tired and sleepy and when you go to sleep. Now if you go to bed and wake up at a similar time every day, that will mean that your body has a really efficient circadian rhythm, it knows what's happening, so that's going to help you A, get to sleep better, which of course is important, and then as well you'll find it not quite as hard to wake up in the morning. If you've ever been abroad to, you know, America or somewhere or Australia or whatever, or you may be listening from those countries if you've been somewhere else, then you'll probably find that when you get back, you get jet lag and your sleep is just all over the place. That's your circadian rhythm. It takes a little bit of time to get your circadian rhythm back to what you used to. Now, I've touched on this already, but some people listening to this do not have a choice about how much time they spend sleeping. You know, you might have a baby that's waking you up through the night. You might have a job that means you work night shifts or random times. I totally understand that that means it's not always possible. Now, for you, you've got a couple of options, really, to catch up on sleep where you can. The first is to do what I do and have that lying on a weekend. But again, totally understand that isn't always possible if your kid comes jumping on your bed at 6am. <laughs> but that's one option for you. The other side of it as well is to have some naps where you can. So if you get 30 minutes, an hour during the day or at a random time of day, whenever that is, that you've got an opportunity for a nap, that can be a great way to get some extra sleep in without actually extending the, you know, the proper time, if you like, that you're going to bed. So that can be an option. Now, again, I know some people will be listening to this thinking that is not an option, but there will be some people that could think, yeah, you know what, I could fit a 30 minute nap in. If you can get it to try and get that six to eight hours of sleep total, that can really, really help. So the amount of time that you spend sleeping is really important. But then as well as that, it's also the quality of your sleep that matters. So getting that real good quality sleep is essential. So there's various different things that you can do to improve that. I'm going to throw a load at you now, but these are in no particular order. First of all, having that bedtime, which we've spoken about already. So let's just hypothetically say it's 10 p.m. Now, ideally, if you can, turning off any kind of electronic devices half an hour to an hour before bed is absolutely ideal. I'm a sucker for this one because I do not do this. We have a TV in the bedroom and we often go up an hour early and then watch TV until we sleep. Now, that's crap for your circadian rhythm because that light will just keep you awake, but hey-ho, we're not perfect. But if you're struggling to sleep, that's one really good thing you can do. You can also get certain filters on your laptop and on your phone that gets rid of the blue light from memory. I'm sure it's the blue light, but it's a certain type of light that your technology emits that wakes you up and triggers your brain into thinking it's daylight. Now, if you go into your settings on your phone or any device, you can actually turn on filters on your screen that change the color of it. So that's good. Like if you do want to play on your phone before you go to bed, you can change the screen so that it's not quite as bad. And if you want to go full geek mode, then you can get blue light blocking glasses as well. Um, 
None of those last three things I personally do, but, you know, they're ideas for you if you struggle with sleeping. So that's one thing, limit technology before bed. The other thing is to try not to eat too late at night. So ideally, from 7pm, 7.30pm, something like that, so, you know, two to three hours before you go to bed, try not to eat anything at all. And the reason for that is if you eat a massive meal before you go to bed, your body's going to be having to send all that blood to your stomach, to your digestion. It's going to have to work through all that food. And that means it's not going to be able to focus on sleeping as well as possible and recovering as well as possible. So this is something that I've been adding into my life more recently because like many people, I'm a bit of a sucker for having a carny yogurt or whatever while watching TV at 9.30 or a bowl of Weetabix. And I wear a whoop band, so the band that's on my wrist and it tracks your sleep. And I've actually noticed a correlation between when I eat close to my bedtime and when I eat at, say, 7 p.m. and then stop. My sleep quality is much higher and when I don't eat. So if I stop eating at 7 p.m., and things like my heart rate variability goes up and my resting heart rate comes down when I don't eat close to bed, which I think is really interesting. So I have found that it is backed up by the data that I get from my body. So that's a, a cool thing. The other side of it is to look at your bedroom and get it as comfortable and relaxing as possible. So first thing, you don't want to have a load of stuff on the floor. You don't want to have a load of clothes shoved at the end of the bed. You don't want to have a load of stuff piled up on the tables next to your bed. It needs to be that sort of place of zen. So keep it minimalist. You can dump stuff in your other rooms, but try to keep your bedroom as clean and tidy as possible. Even if, you you know, when your eyes are shut, you can't see it, but subconsciously, you know, it's a messy environment and that can mean it's hard to relax, it's hard to wind down before bed. Make sure that you have really good blackout blinds or really good blackout curtains because they will stop as much light as possible coming in because as we know, as we've spoken about already, light wakes you up, so you need to block that as much as you can. And then don't scrimp on a mattress and on bedding and on even like duvet covers, sheets, whatever you call them, sheets. You want to get good quality ones of those because all of those will add up to helping you really sleep well. We've all been to that lovely hotel and you get in the bed and it just feels like an absolute cloud. It's so comfortable. You want your bed to be like that. At the end of the day, when you're sleeping for six to eight hours a night, every single night, it's a long time. So it's absolutely worth the investment into improving that sleep quality. So that's sleep. That was the first big, big thing you need to work on. Getting that six to eight hours and then making sure that the quality of that sleep is as good as it possibly can be. When you're sleeping well, you're going to recover so much better. So you're going to see the results from your work. And as well as that, you're of course going to have more energy to be able to ride and train effectively. All right, next building block is nutrition. Now, this is huge for recovery. What you eat is incredibly important when it comes to recovering from the work that you're putting in on the bike, the work that you're putting in in the gym. It's a proper cliche, so it gets ignored, but you've heard the phrase, you are what you eat. Now, if you think about it, you are literally built from the food that you eat. Like Everything that makes us up, is from the food that we eat, we convert that into, into matter essentially and we're built from it. 
Now, you need to make sure that you're eating well if you want to be able to recover from your efforts. So let's go into some absolute basic nutrition that you need to be nailing. First of all, you want to be getting protein in with every meal. Now, protein is the building blocks of the body. So your body breaks it down and then uses that to rebuild your muscle. If you're working hard, you're training, you're riding, you need to be getting enough protein in to be able to help rebuild your muscle. Most people want to be eating about 1.5 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So that's 1.5 grams per kilogram of body weight. So if you weigh 80 kilos, that means you want to be aiming for roughly 120 grams of protein per day. That'll be good for the majority of people listening to this. Now, if you're listening to this and you're in pounds, that's fine. You can quite easily just convert pounds into kilos as 2.2 pounds in a kilo and then work it out back that way. Or if you use an online calculator, that'll work it out for you. The majority of people that I come across are not eating enough protein and they're not getting anywhere near this 1.5 grams per kilogram of body weight. To give you an idea of what that looks like, for me, who's 80 kilos, so I'm fairly slim, but I'm not particularly skinny. You know, I do carry some body fat. I'm not super, super lean. I'm just kind of an average build, I would say, probably like an average to slim build. For me, that 120 grams of protein is about four chicken breasts a day. So it's a lot of protein and it's quite a lot more than the majority of people I come across are eating. Now, if you're struggling with your recovery at the minute, adding in that protein is hugely beneficial. But it's not the only thing. So you obviously need protein because it rebuilds your muscles. It's the building blocks of your muscle, like I've said. You, of course, need to be getting the good fats in there as well. You need to be getting carbohydrate in there because they will help refill your muscle. And you need to be eating a well-rounded, balanced, good, healthy diet. It's one of those things, nutrition, for us mountain bikers, that you don't really see talked about. It's not really a thing. If you go into the road cycling world, like roadies are absolutely obsessed with the nutrition. They absolutely nail it. Us mountain bikers, I think because it's a bit more laid back and quite cool, quite chilled out, you know, it's not talked about as much. Now, you absolutely do not have to eat perfectly. I certainly do not. But you do want to be eating well. So you need to be eating three to four good meals a day. You want to be eating the amount of crap food that you eat. You want to be keeping alcohol to a minimum. Now, on that note, alcohol has an absolute huge effect on your recovery. Personally, I don't drink that often, but I can notice a big difference when I do, and particularly on my whoop band, actually. It was really interesting. So on, on your whoop band, you have red, yellow, and green recovery. So it basically tracks all of your signs, like heart rate variability, your resting heart rate, and your breathing rate, and some various other things, I believe. And then it gives you a recovery um, score for the day after. So generally... I start on a Monday in the green because I've recovered over the weekend. And then as the week goes on, my recovery score will always stay in the yellow, but it generally dips down to kind of the bottom end of the yellow by the time I get to the end of the week. And that's because I'm training, I'm breaking my body down, so I'm not fully recovered. That's to be expected. Now, last Friday night, I, like I said, I don't drink ever really. Maybe, I don't know, a glass of wine every couple of months. I'm not a drinker. I had a glass of red wine, a large glass of red wine on Friday with a meal and my recovery score in the morning was 17%. It was like at the very bottom end of the red. My resting heart rate was up about 15 beats a minute. My, um, 
my heart rate variability it was about half of what it usually is and my breathing rate was up as well um my kind of what band was screaming at me in the morning but i thought it was really interesting to see the difference that just one drink had now that's not to say drinking is bad if you enjoy a drink it's totally fine but what it did kind of flag up to me is just how much of a negative effect it can have if you're having you know two or three drinks a night or if you're drinking more than you think you probably should be if you're binge drinking on a weekend so it's something to pay attention to like if i mention alcohol to you now you probably know whether you want to drink less whether you should be drinking less so i'm certainly not here to preach personally i'm not a massive fan of drinking uh I enjoy a drink, but I hate the effects the day after. I don't like feeling sluggish. I don't like feeling slow. I don't like how your brain is slower the day after a drink. Um, and I always find that I feel anxious as well. So if I have two or three drinks on a Friday, I will 100% feel more anxious on a Saturday than I would normally. So for me, I'm not a huge fan of it, but please don't think that I judge people like who drink. Like, I don't really care. You can do what you want. It's your your life and other people's lives, like it's all good. But if you're listening to this and you're thinking you should probably cut back, that can hugely benefit your recovery. So nutrition, hugely important for your recovery. Try and eat well, focus on getting good quality nutrition in there. We all know what good food looks like, but there's a difference between knowing what it looks like and actually doing it. If you wanna recover well, make sure you eat well. And then finally, the third block that I want to talk about today is rest days. So a rest day, as it sounds, is just the opposite of a working day. So a working day is when you go to the gym or you ride your bike, a rest or you do any other kind of sport. A rest day is when you chill out and have a total rest off the bike. Now, the amount of rest days a person needs is totally different from person to person. Personally, I tend to have one or two rest days a week. Now, they'll generally be Saturday and Sunday. I'd say more often than not, Saturday and Sunday, I don't train. I just train every day, Monday to Friday. I find that when I go back into the gym or I go back riding on Monday, I feel pretty much fully recovered and ready to smash the week again. And my what band, you know, says the same as um, will uh, back up that. Like I say, when I go to the gym on a Monday, when I look at my whoop on a Monday, it's in the green, my recovery is in the green, and I'm good to go. This last weekend, however, I was away for the weekend in the Lake District, so instead of having two rest days, I ended up having four. I rode on that first day when I got back, and I felt great on the bike. I was clearly fully recovered, and it was really interesting just how strong my legs felt, um, and how kind of like switched on and focused I felt like everything just kind of flowed well I felt great on the bike so that's rest days now with rest days it's you need to find out what works well for you so you, you can be listening to this and you might be able to train twice a day six days a week have one rest day and be fine other people listening to this might find that their absolute peak is training three times a week and they need to have four rest days all of that is fine, but I would encourage that you play around with it and see what works best for you. Come up with a weekly schedule, plan it in, and then see how you feel at the end of it is the best advice I can give. So, you know, one person might train Monday, Tuesday, rest Wednesday, train Thursday, Friday, rest Saturday, ride Sunday. So you're having those rest days kind of split throughout the week. It's totally personal, but rest days are really important. 
you're going to have two types of people listening to this. You're going to have the people who train two, three times a week or ride two, three times a week and then rest the rest of the time. So for those people, adding in more rest days is not going to be beneficial. You've always already got more than enough. But then on the other side of it, I will often speak to people who do not want to take rest days at all. They just love training, they love riding, and they want to go, 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 go every day. The thing with that is that it can limit your results. I would recommend putting in those rest days. They are really important. However, if you really don't want to take a rest day, then what you can do is something called active recovery. So this is when you train, but to a lesser extent than you would normally. So if we take a ride as an example, let's say you normally do a 20 mile ride um, and 2000 feet of climbing, for example. You may go out on a ride, but you only do eight or 10 miles and it's on the flat and you keep your heart rate really low. So what you're doing there is you're still going out and exercising, but you're not pushing yourself as hard as you would normally. Or you may do a walk, for example. So same kind of concept there. You're still going out and doing some exercise, but you're not pushing yourself to the limits like you would normally. What that's going to do is allow you to tick that box in your head of being able to exercise, but it's going to allow yourself that recovery. So you maybe want to factor in that every week if you're the type of person who trains seven days a week, or you may want to do it perhaps every four weeks. So what you can do is train hard for a period of four to six weeks, something like that, and then take a week where you take it easier. So you have those active recovery days and you can do something called download weeks, which is when you do half the distance of your ride or you do half the um, reps in the gym, half the, um, the sets of an exercise in the gym. So you still train for a week, you still ride, but you do half of everything. So that means you do four to six weeks of training hard and then you do a week where you don't completely stop but you have a download week where the intensity of everything is notched down a level, which allows you to recover. So that's kind of tips for those people listening to this who just do not want to stop training and riding because you love it. And I can totally relate to that. Like it makes you feel good. It gives you energy, helps your mental health. Like training and exercising is awesome, but you do need to not do it in order to get results as well. The biggest thing I would emphasize when it comes to recovery is that it's totally personal to you. So you need to play around with it and you need to pay attention to how you feel. You could perhaps take a journal where for the next few months even, every week write down how you feel and plot what you did when, when you had your rest days and just pay attention to it. A lot of people will just train and ride and kind of not really think about it, you just go through it, and then if you don't feel great on a ride one day, you don't really think anything of it. If you start to look into it a bit more and kind of assess what you're actually doing, then that can really help you think, oh, you know what, I had one less rest day this week, or I did exercise four days back to back instead of three, maybe that's what it was that did it. You need to find out what works for you, and then that's how you're gonna get the best results. So those are the three main blocks when it comes to recovery. You've got your sleep, which is crucial, your nutrition, and you've also got those rest days. Mastering those three things, or at least improving each of them, will have a huge effect and a massive impact on your recovery. So work on them, and I promise you, you'll see massive results on the bike. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please go give it a rating on whatever podcast app you're listening to. And next week, I've got an interview for you, so I hope you will enjoy that. 
See you next week.